0: You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Hi everyone. I think good morning. so great to be here with, with you all this morning worshiping the Lord and thank you worship team for such a great great work that, that you guys did. It's just, just amazing. so uh, as Pastor Jason said, my name is Jesse, and I am very honored and humbled to be part of the uh, teaching team here at the, at the Mission Redlands. And today, we're going to continue our series called the, uh, the Best is Yet to Come. However, today we're going to be learning from the uh, calling and the life of Gideon. But before, before we start with the uh, life of Gideon, let's read... Romans 5, 6 through 11. And the Word of God says, verse number 6, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved? Through his life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Okay, let's read 1 Peter 2 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special. Possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your kindness. We worship you, and we, Father, we invite you this morning into our hearts, into this house, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you may come down and that you may speak, Lord, your words that are meant for your people, Lord, and that you may be able to, uh, to speak and to pierce the heart of everyone who is here, Lord, with your word that you have from heaven, Lord. And in the same spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus for peace in the Middle East, Lord. We ask you that you may protect the innocent women and children, Lord, from the ambitious and from the greed of governments, Lord, whether it is Hamas or the Israeli government, Lord, that you may speak Father, to your people in that land of yours, Lord, and so that peace may be restored and that your people may be protected, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. amen. Amen. The purpose of this message, my dear brothers, is not to provide an interpretation of the current events. And I feel that I have to say that because I'm going to be talking about the life of Gideon and the experience of the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. And so if I may sound like I'm talking about current events, or if if I sound like I'm interpreting current events, I do apologize for that. That's not my intention whatsoever. The purpose of this message is to learn that the best is yet to come. And we are going to be uh, basing the experience of Gideon and the people of Israel uh, as they came from Egypt into the Promised Land when they inherited the land, and uh, and so we are in this for the purpose of this message only. I am putting the church as Israel in the in the Promised Land. Okay, so based on the promise that God made to Abraham, and based on how God in His divine providence delivered the Israelites from the oppression uh, through the life of Gideon. In that same way, God is delivering us right now from the oppression that we have on our day-to-day lives um, or as we walk with God as well. Okay, so let's read Genesis uh, 12, 1-3. And this is the Lord talking to Abram. This is Abraham before he became Abraham. And the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God's purpose and the fulfillment of his promises are not in a straight line. As we, as we shall see, when God appeared to Abram and he made a covenant with him and he promised Abraham or Abram that he was going to be the father of many nations and that God was going to make a great nation out of, out of Abraham, right? And then what do we see? Do we see that Abraham suddenly had a bunch of kids? Do we see that Abraham suddenly inherited this empty land where uh, honey and milk just flow? Did we see that then the people of Abraham, the Israelites, just live in prosperity for ever after? And then Jesus came and all the Israelites accepted Jesus and happily ever after, here we are? No, right? God made a promise to Abraham and the road and the path of the fulfillment of that promise was not as straightforward. You know, what God has made you a promise, he has made us a promise, and we just have to understand that as we embrace that promise and as we believe, as we are brave and believe in God's promise, we are not going to be without setbacks, bumps, or roadblocks. We're going to face a huge amount of setbacks, and that's, that's more than okay, and, as, and we will learn the reason why, because it would be just super easy, right? Here, Abraham, this is your land. I promise you. This is, you know, the Israelites are going to rule the world through righteousness, through peace, and all the nations of the earth are going to be happily ever after because of you, Abraham. And yes, that's going to happen, and we are seeing that happening, but it's not straightforward, and it's not all happiness and joy across the way, right? So both promises that God made to Abraham, as we just read, have already been fulfilled. And what, what are those two promises? Number one is that the descendants of Abraham was going to inherit the land. That's, that's already been fulfilled, right? The, uh, the descendants in flesh and blood of Abraham have inherited the land. And the second promise has already been fulfilled as well, and is being fulfilled as time still continues, which is that out of Abraham, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. That's why my, that, that, that is my intention of having read Romans and Peter in the New Testament before going into the life of Gideon. Is that you are a holy nation. God has set you apart, He has called you my people. But before, you were not a people. Before, you were not part of God's nation, right? But through Jesus, He has made you part of His nation. Through His life, through His work, now we have attained righteousness just by simple faith. But before that, we were not a nation. And so God already fulfilled that promise to Abraham that out of him, he was going to bless all the nations of the earth. And that is exactly what he's doing right now. So the deliverance of the promised land into the hands of the Israelites, as we already said, was full of setbacks, roadblocks and bumps, and also disappointments. And in the same way, your call or your calling will also be in this trajectory. You are also going to face huge setbacks and roadblocks in your, in your ministry and in your life as, you are fulfill, or as God is fulfilling His promises in you. He made a promise and He's going to fulfill it, right? It's just not going to be easy. And this is okay, as we shall see through the life of Gideon, that God is still at work regardless of our human limitations. And He who began the great work in you, guess what? He's going to finish it, right? He's not going to leave anything unfinished. So God is not a man to leave His work unfinished, and He's not a man who lies, or to lie for that matter, right? His promises will be fulfilled. And as a matter of fact, God works through our limitation for what reason? So that there is no question that it was He who delivered us from the tribulations, and not our own effort. So that He takes all the credit... And glory, because, my friends, victory belongs to Him and only Him. So when you see victory in your life, the first thing you do, and you will do because it is in your nature, it is to praise God and thank Him. Because you immediately will realize that it wasn't your effort who took you out of that problem. You, you will immediately realize that it wasn't your effort who took you out of that tribulation. Actually, you saw no, no ending, no exit. And then God provided an exit. And that's when you realize that it was He and His providence that provided you with that exit for that problem. And so, therefore, the best is yet to come. Yes. So, as we saw, or as we mentioned, when God made a promise to the uh, to Abraham, then God also had a warning for Abraham. He said, "Your descendants are going to be slaves, and they're going to suffer for four hundred years in in Egypt." But I will take them out of Egypt into this land that I have promised you, and you will take it, right? So it was not as straightforward. And then when the Israelites, after 400 years, after they had suffered from slavery, and God sent Moses uh, to deliver them, right? Then Moses believed God that he could be used. But Moses also had limitations. He said, like, God, why are you calling me? Uh, I, I don't speak well, and I have, I have my own issues. I'm not the right person. Maybe call my brother Aaron, or you know what? There is greater warriors right there. Maybe they'll listen to Pharaoh, but, or the Pharaoh will listen to them, but, but Pharaoh won't listen to me. And God said, oh, I'm calling you, and I will send your brother Aaron with you because I will speak through him and through you to Pharaoh. So God, as we were singing before, He uses our limitations, our flaws, you know, our, our issues, He works through them, and he, the, he transforms them into blessings for us, right? So as, as a personal experience, uh, early, early in the year, uh, Jason and, and Kim went to uh, our home, your house, and, and we were having dinner, and then suddenly the conversation, as we were getting to know uh, more each other, the conversation came that I used to be part of a teaching team in our previous church where, where we lived in the desert, um, but that was a Hispanic church and so my teaching was in Spanish and so Jason says like oh you, you, you like to be part of the teaching team and then I became like all frozen because I had never taught in, in English you know and, and, but here I am I said if it is my calling and if I struggle to be able to concretize my thoughts and put them into the words that I have in my mind into English outside then God can do anything he, he can do anything it's because if you open your heart if you're on limitations, He will use you. So there is, there is no excuses. If God is calling you to sing in the worship team and you sing out of tune, there is no excuse, right? If you forget to put a capo, if you forget to put a capo or the capo into your guitar, there is no excuse, right? <laughs> God is working through your limitations. And He will, he will transform those limitations into blessings because that, that's what, exactly what He does, right? And so as God works through Moses to bring the people out of, out of Egypt, then God told Moses, "I'm sorry, Mo, but you're not coming." <laughs> and Moses is like, "Why? Like you're not coming? You, that's my sovereignty, and I don't feel like you're representing me well. At some point, so you ain't coming, buddy. But uh, send your brother, your send Joshua, your disciple. He will take my people into the promised land. I will give the land to him as his inheritance, and he will divide and split." The, the land that has been inherited to them according to each tribe. And so God speaks to Joshua and he makes a covenant to Joshua, right? And uh, God says, Joshua, if you keep my law and my word, you know, I will give you this great land. But if you disobey, you know, I will take this land away from you and give it to your enemies. And so Joshua believed God. He took courage and he took the people of Israel into the promised land and they conquered the promised land. And then, in the book of Judges, as we're coming into the book of Judges, we start seeing that another generation came right after Joshua. And they forgot about God. And they forgot about how their parents had been taken out of Egypt. And my question to you is, have you forgotten when you were taken out of Egypt? Have you forgotten when the Lord opened the Red Sea so you could pass through? Because He has done it. And He will continue to do it. And so, May this teaching be a refresher into your mind of when God took uh, took you out of Egypt so that we don't fall into the same mistakes as the Israelites did after the uh, generation of Joshua passed. The people of Israel forgot that they had inherited the land not because of their effort but because God had given the land to them because it was God's will. So they forgot about that and they started worshiping other gods that the Canaanites used to worship around them. And so... God said, I made a covenant with you, you broke the covenant. It's not I who was unfaithful, it's that you were unfaithful. And so I am a gentleman, said God, and he let them be. And so when God let them be, then they became oppressed by the nations that they tried to be like, the nations around them, the, uh, the tribes, the Canaanites, the Midianites, the, the Amalekites, the Hittites, and so forth and so forth. And the people came and remembered in their oppression, in their suffering, because they would work the land, right? And it was, it went, when it was time to harvest, then the Midianites came and they will steal all the grain, they will steal all the cattle, and they would just take it with them. And the Israelites were divided. They, they had no king at the time. There was no central command. There was no central government. Each tribe basically was sovereign and they ruled themselves, except when other nations came And basically took their sovereignty away. And were ruling for them. And then were taking and stealing all their products. And their cattle and their grain and so forth. And so the Israelites cry out to God. They say like, God, you took us out of Egypt. Now they remember, right? Now they remember that God had taken them out of Egypt. And so they cry out for help. And God said, yes, I will deliver you from the Midianites. And so God appears to a guy named Gideon. Right? And so... This Gideon guy, he considered himself to be ill-equipped and he was reluctant and he actually didn't believe God when God was speaking to him that he was going to be the person chosen to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites, right? So let's read Judges 6, 11 through 16. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abbasite, where his son Gideon was stretching wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon replied, pardon me, mighty warrior? But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are Where where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, "Did not the Lord bring us out of out of Egypt?" But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand." Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord," Gideon replied. "But how can I save Israel?" My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So God appeared to Gideon, and Gideon immediately felt ill-equipped. He's like, no, you're talking to the wrong person, God. See, I belong to the smallest family, from the smallest clan, from the smallest tribe, where the poorest like, you cannot be talking to me. I, I, I cannot be used. I don't have resources. I'm not even brave. And God, as, as in the same way that God has spoke to Gideon, was the same way that he had spoken to Moses, and it is the same, God, the same way that he's speaking to me, to you. God is trying to use you in your weakness, in your flaws, in your limitations, so, so that the glory of God can be manifested, so that he takes all the credit, and so that we don't boast, Right? So Gideon, what what does he do? He assembles an army at God's command. And on top of that, the the plan that God had for Gideon was very unconventional. So God said, I am calling this guy. And he already perceives himself to be ill-equipped. But if it is not enough, just wait what I'm going to do. So let's read Judges 7, 1 through 8. Early in the morning... Jerubbaal, that is, that is Gideon. Okay, so Gideon is Jerubbaal. And all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. And the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. So Gideon had 32,000 men. That was his army, 32,000. And they were already outnumbered by the Midianites and the Amalekites. Both the the Midianites and the Amalekites, they had an army of more than 200,000 combined. And Gideon only had 32,000. So he was already ill-equipped and outnumbered. And yet, God said, 32,000 Gideon against 200,000? You're still a lot. You still have a lot of people. So, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me, the Israelites may say. So now announce to the army, anyone who is scared, who trembles with fear, may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. And so 22,000 men left the army. So it was an army of 32,000 against 200,000. Imagine if you were part of that army, it would be natural to feel feared. You're already outnumbered. And then God says, if you're afraid, you may leave. And so 22,000 left, and only 10,000 remain. Okay. So as if if it was not enough that they that they were already outnumbered to begin with. Verse four, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. And if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, then he shall not go. And so Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap that water with their tongues as a dog laps water uh, from those who kneel down to drink. Right? So you got the 10,000 people and they come to the river to drink water and 300 of them basically kneel down and cup their water with their hands and start leaking or lapping the water like dogs where the 9,700 that remain, they kneel down and start drinking water straight. Right? So, three, verse six, three hundred of them drank from the from the cup hands, lapping like dogs, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. Verse seven, and the Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that lap, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. And so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but only kept the three hundred, who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the rest. And so what happened here? So God wanted to make sure that everyone knew that it was His providence, that that God delivered them from the Midianites in a supernatural way. God didn't want to leave a little bit of a chance for the Israelites to boast, to say like, yes, we were stronger. We were more united than the Midianites and the Amalekites. And so we delivered ourselves with our own strength because Even though we were outnumbered, 32,000 to 200,000, we were still strong and smarter and braver and whatnot. And God said, like, no, 300. Because with 300, there will be no doubt that it was a miracle. With 300, there will be no doubt that it was not your strength, your effort, that it was mine, says the Lord. Right. And so something that happened in the life of Gideon from from the time that he was called... Until the time that he delivered the people of Israel, is he said he was transformed. The, the, the Bible says that he the Holy Spirit came and overtook Gideon. And then Gideon was transformed from a coward, because he was a coward, into a brave man, one of the bravest to deliver the people of Israel. In the same way, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, the Holy Spirit takes over us and He transforms us, and then He will equip us with the resources from heaven. Not with our resources, but the resources that only come from heaven. And then there will be no doubt again that it was God who empowered us. That it was His Holy Spirit working through us and not ourselves, yes. right? So, my question to you is, what are we, what are we afraid when, when God calls us? You know, I was afraid that I was not going to be able to speak properly in English if I was, able to, if, if I was going to teach you know, God's Word in English I, I I've been afraid all my life of many many things, right? Uh, I have I am only five five, so I have a short complex, and and it it's not, is not a joke; it's real. And uh, I have many complexes, just like any person has complexes. So when God calls you, what you may say: I'm too short. Am I too tall? Am I too skinny? Am I too on the heavy side? Can can I sing properly? Can I speak properly? that God is asking you, what are you afraid of? Well, those fears, God will transform those fears that you already have from your own complexes and from your limitations into the tools that you will use for for God's purpose. So my question to you is, what are you 300 men in your life? My 300 men in my life, which is my own limitation, but at the same time is my weakness, and at the same time is my strength, for example, was that I still am a complex because I have a thick accent and I'm being vulnerable, and I'm speaking to you truly from my heart, but that is my 300 men, because not only despite that, but because of that, God can use me, because I am 100% sure that when I do it, it is God who is using me, and not my own effort, and not my own strength, right, so what are you afraid of, did you go to the seminary, are you afraid that you didn't go to the seminary, what are you afraid of, Are you afraid that you didn't go to school, that you didn't finish college, and you don't feel equipped to speak God's word because you may not feel eloquent? Well, God will speak through you, right? So in the same way that he used Gideon and Moses, because the victory belongs to the Lord. So Judges 7, 19 through 22 says, while each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. And the army fled to Beth-Chittah towards Sererah, as far as the border of Abel, Meholah, near Tabath. So when God used Gideon's faith and his 300 men, they didn't even have to fight. They just stand worshiping God, sounding the trumpets, and what did God do? He made the Midianites kill each other. In all the confusion, the walls of Jericho crumbled. Right? In all the confusion, your problems and tribulations are trembling. Whether it is your finances or your marriage, and you may feel that is trembling. Well, what is actually trembling is not your marriage or your finances. What is trembling is the root of the problem that caused your finances or your marriage to be in trouble in the first place. That's what's crumbling. The work of Satan is crumbling when you worship God. When you say, Lord, I can't do it on my own effort. I can't do it on my own strength. So I cry out to you, Lord. And at that moment is when the walls of Jericho, is when the Amelianites start killing each other. It's when the wall just crumbled down. And when God gives you the victory, and again, there will be no doubt that it was him who did it. Right? Because there is nothing you can speak to your wife that she'll believe you. Believe me right? There is nothing that you can speak of to your husband that, that he will believe you. So when you speak and your spouse believes you, it was God who spoke through you, right? When you speak and you pray and suddenly you have food on the table when you didn't have food on the table before, you'll know that it was God who did it. Amen? So the victory belongs, belongs to God because we have to, to, ultimately, we have to place our faith and trust in God's resources, not, not in our resources. And so the reason, another, another reason why God used only 300 from the 32,000 initially was so God could deliver us supernaturally and that we rely on Him um, so that we cannot boast. And this is a recurring theme in the Bible. How do we, how do we become righteous? Is it by being, by being good, by respecting the Sabbath, by not eating pork? By fasting every day from 6 till 3 p.m.? Is that how you become righteous? By, filling the, by fulfilling the Ten Commandments and the entire law? No, right? The Apostle Paul says in Romans that apart from the law, righteousness has come to the world through simple faith, not through the works of the law. Why? So that we may not boast. So when we actually boast that we are righteous, we don't boast on our, our, on our own effort. We boast on the effort of Jesus because through him is that we have become righteous. Through him is that we now are a nation. Through him is that we now belong to the kingdom of God. When we were lost, when we, when we were not a nation, we are now a nation. We are God's people and he loves us and he will protect us and he will deliver us because we are his beautiful, beautiful children. We are a chosen lineage, and we descend straight from Abraham. Also, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 11 that from the original root, from the olive tree, which is the the flesh and blood of Abraham, his descendants, God inserted us into that same root from Abraham. So we are also children of Abraham, just like the Israelites that were delivered from the Midianites. So in the same way, God will protect us. And he will deliver us from our problems, from our enemies, from our tribulations, and from the work of the devil as well. And so the Lord delivered the people of Israel from the oppression of the Midianites with 300 men because of Gideon's faith. So in the same same way, we have to to place our faith in God. And yes, blindly. And uh, I, I know we have heard that. We Christians don't believe blindly in God because we have evidence-based faith. But let me tell you that, I, I, I think that's, that's something that came through a culture in modernity, be, with the uh, Renaissance and science uh, a couple centuries ago, evidence-based, evidence-based. When God spoke to Abraham and He told him that he was going to be the father of many children, and Abraham believed him, it was reckoned to him as righteousness with no evidence. Because he was already hundred years old and couldn't have any children. He was not even circumcised. He did not have the law. Abraham was not a Jew because there was no Judaism. God spoke to Abraham and he believed him when it was reckoned to him as righteousness with no evidence. God had not taken the people of, uh, of Israel out of Egypt yet. We have hindsight, but on top of hindsight, blind faith is more than enough. That's how we become righteous, by blind faith. Through the, through the work of Jesus, just as Abraham believed, we believe it was also reckoned to us as righteousness. Amen. So, my dear folks, God likes to use ordinary people for extraordinary things. He wants to use you to bless your community, to bless your family, to bless your city, to bless your state, your country, the entire world. He wants to use you. All you have to say is, here I am, Lord. Lord. Despite of my limitations, despite of my 300 men, despite the fact that I don't speak well or that I'm too short, or that I'm too on the heavy side, regardless, if you feel that you don't belong to the ethnic group that you would like to belong to, I know everybody wants to be Latino, if you don't, if you don't belong to the gender that you would like to belong to, God can still use you no matter what, That's right? So as the worship team comes, let's uh, bow down our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, because you're always faithful to the end, Lord. And we place our trust in you, whether we can see the exit or not, Lord. That doesn't really matter because we believe in you fully, Lord. And we believe that just as you took the uh, Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land, and it was not without setbacks, without roadblocks, Lord. We also face those same setbacks and roadblocks. But we also believe, Lord, that you will deliver us from our enemies, that you will part the Red Sea, and that you will raise up armies in your name, that you will raise up people, men and women that believe in you, Father, to deliver us from our enemies, from our problems, from our tribulations, that you will raise me, that you will raise your people gathering in this church today, Lord. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you may speak to them and that you remind them, Holy Spirit, that the best is yet to come despite of the situation, that you will use them, Father, to bless other people, to bless your people, Father, and that there will be no doubt that it was you, Father, who delivered them from their tribulations and their problems, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at
1: themissionredlands.com.